Welcome to the AM Global Podcast Series, addressing business concerns we face today. Today's conversation is with leaders in Alvarez and Marcel's healthcare industry group and global cyber risk services practice. They'll discuss the overall state of cybersecurity across different healthcare sectors, challenges they've faced, and new issues they've had to address as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, welcome to our podcast discussion on the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity across the healthcare industry. We're glad that you have joined us for this podcast where we will discuss issues and solutions relating to cybersecurity amidst the recent rise in attacks that we have seen on healthcare organizations throughout the pandemic. I'm Aaron Eichhorn, a senior director in the healthcare industry group at Alvarez and Marcel. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Ken Barrett, Ian Donner, and Managing Director Rocco Grillo from our Global Cyber Risk Services Practice at Alvarez and Marcel. Ken, Ian, and Rocco will share perspectives on how the unforeseen COVID-19 crisis affected healthcare organizations' fight against cyber crimes. They will also discuss health systems and the new cybersecurity challenges that they have been dealing with over the last few months. The discussion will be particularly relevant and timely as we have seen how healthcare organizations have had to pivot their cybersecurity strategies to adjust for new threats posed by the pandemic. As we all know, the increased amount of the workforce working from home, potentially on unsecure environments, is creating new challenges for cybersecurity teams. Our experts will provide critical ideas for healthcare organizations to implement and to think about as they continue to remain vigilant with their cybersecurity measures. Ian, let's start with this question for you. I know you have worked with many different healthcare organizations on their cybersecurity efforts and reactions. Can you talk about some of the emerging cybersecurity trends you are seeing across the healthcare industry prior to the COVID pandemic? Uh, yeah, no, great question, Aaron. And and there's probably three items that I would point to, maybe to summarize and then talk through each one in specifics. The first is around ransomware preparedness. Uh, the second being securing electronic health records. And the third around securing connected medical devices. For ransomware preparedness, you know, maybe first just a level set on exactly what ransomware is, as I think we've all heard about it in our more personal settings, but essentially ransomware is a, a type of malware or malicious software that encrypts a victim's files. The, the attacker then typically demands a ransom from the victim to restore access to the data upon payment. So users are often shown instructions for how to pay a fee to get a decryption key, and those costs can range from a few hundred dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so pretty impactful, and you are at the mercy of the, the ransom, unfortunately. Why it matters, especially in healthcare, Several hospitals over the last few years have been um, unfortunately attacked from various ransomware initiatives. And, you know, we've also seen that just continue to grow over those recent years. And the escalation and expansion of similar attacks are continuing to increase on hospitals and medical facilities. This has really emphasized the importance of cybersecurity and elevated at the board level as a critical component. Around securing electronic health records, the healthcare sector and medical sector within it benefits from a lot of regulations and privacy laws that provides definitions for how to handle patient records. But the operational complexities have grown increasingly over the recent years. 
Uh, hospitals are increasingly dependent on digitized workflows, and to that extent, losing access can grind a hospital operations to a halt. And so some of the, the questions that organizations have been wrestling with is, what happens when attackers become more sophisticated and start to target specific applications? What are the risks as I continue to move my applications to the cloud? And so these are some, some key questions around securing electronic health records that uh, the health system has been concerned about. And the last item, coming back to securing connected medical devices, you know, we've seen uh, really in our personal life, life, the application of Internet of Things uh, devices, so whether that's your Alexa, your Google Home, uh, or things of that nature, you know, really it's become commonplace in most homes and, and businesses to a large extent have them as well. The, the medical industry has uh, been particularly excited about the potential of medical related uh, Internet of Thing devices, which I, I commonly refer to as Internet of Medical Things, and we'll continue to see this becoming ubiquitous in the industry and with the growth of 5G, the ability to transmit data over um, high speeds will really help continue to grow kind of this capability. But the risk from a security perspective really comes in with that uh, combination of IOMT uh, mobility and, and 5G. And so as we start to increase the interoperability of health systems and applications, uh, it becomes kind of a continued growing threat uh, from a cybersecurity perspective that needs to be really addressed and mitigated proactively. Thanks, Ian. And I know many organizations are certainly very sensitive to the trends that you described. So appreciate that perspective. Let's take the next question to Farako. Of course, nobody could have anticipated or planned for the pandemic and especially the impact it's had on the healthcare system with the shutdown that was felt across the United States and internationally. The big word that we've been hearing is the ability for organizations to pivot. How have cyber trends from the early part of 2020 pivoted post-COVID and what new trends are you seeing emerging? Great question, Aaron, and just playing off of a lot of the great points that Ian laid out there. Earlier part of 2020, there were you know, obviously cyber attacks taking place well before 2020. And I think a lot of the exploits, some of the ones that Ian just pointed out, critical assets that are being targeted, not necessarily new attacks or new exploits, but at the same time, it has spiked. What we've seen in the early pandemic stages, um, email and phishing compromises through the roof. Nothing new there. We were seeing uh, email and phishing attacks previously. I think 90% of attacks that we investigate as an industry are rooted back to email compromise business email compromises, different types of frauds, payments, as much as we're zeroing in on the healthcare industry. This is across the board. It's gone through the roof, cyber fraud that's going on. And as much as we look at the healthcare industry and a lot of the points that Ian laid out on medical data, their medical devices, things of that nature, let's not forget financial institutions, healthcare institutions uh, alike, are have billing systems and those are vulnerable as well. So the fraud that takes place there, Ian did a nice job on the ransomware side of things. That continues to plague the healthcare industry, but uh, we'll revisit that point later in the conversation. But one of the things we'd like to see moving forward, are hospitals, while they recognize the threat of ransomware, are they ready to be secure, proactive, 
beyond just the ransomware uh, exposures and exploits. Um, attacks on third-party service providers, MSSPs, managed services providers, over the last six to 12 months, skyrocketed in the attacks on exploits of service providers. Why is that important? Think about the healthcare industries, hospitals. They rely more on service providers than many of the other divisions, but across the board, that's something that the attackers are going after, all the way to the extent where the Secret Service issued an advisory alert in July that be aware of, for me, being a cybersecurity professional for a number of years, the fact that the Secret Service has to come out, issue an advisory alert to make industry organizations aware that you can't just outsource the function to a third party and assume everything's okay. The data is one thing when that's compromised through a third party, but more so when you look at healthcare uh, institutions or organizations, they're relying on that as the, uh, to run their business. So a third party going down, it's not about, okay, well, they're responsible for my data. If you're relying on, business, on a third party service provider and it impacts the business, it's back to that whole idea of business disruptions and the healthcare industry or organization being crippled. Uh, nation state attacks, we've heard about the over the years as well, but going into the COVID side of things, the evolution there we've seen, Aaron, it seems like it's been an eternity, even though it's been 12 months or so. The, the, the idea of pandemic, you know, the attackers are going to follow the money. They initially jumped on the relief funding that was out there. The next piece, trying to war people to fraudulent sites or sites that are laced with malicious code or malware that remedies for for COVID-19. Now we're starting to see even the vaccines that are out there. Nation states are targeting vaccines and R&Ds. So there's a number of things that are going to continue to go as we work through this. And much as we talk about the new, new, what's coming up in the future? And I know we have a number of questions uh, that we're going to discuss along those lines as well. Thank you, Rocco. And when you mention the Secret Service getting involved, it certainly brings to mind the, the intensity of the security that's needed. I would say cybersecurity has been an area of focus for healthcare systems before COVID-19 because of the, you know, the high interconnectivity between systems, billing, clinical records, patients logging online to pay, bills, view medical records, et cetera. Maybe I'd start with this first question for Ken. Ken, can you discuss the overall approach health systems are currently using for cybersecurity? And then maybe we'll give it to Ian as well. Okay, thanks, Aaron. There's a couple of things that characterize the healthcare industry today and their, their overall readiness. Uh, one, we're behind the times in, in healthcare. There's still a lot of older systems. There's still a lot of flat architectures, which means we have mainframes with data, uh, because of the data rich characterization of, of healthcare, uh, even tracking where that data is and whether it's encrypted or not encrypted, uh, most organizations don't have their, their arms around. So the response in healthcare traditionally has been assess audit against any number of, of standards, such as SOC 2 High Trust, and you know, put bigger fences and add more guard dogs around the perimeter, and you hope that you can keep the bad guys out. And I think what we're seeing, uh, especially the last couple of years, as Rocco mentioned, that, that strategy is not working because people are finding ways to get past the guard dogs, breach the fence, and uh, we often refer to it as blast radius. The blast radius, once they're inside the perimeter, 
has has been extreme, especially for malware attacks. And we've actually seen a few instances where people have actually hit the internal networks and found a way to to infiltrate. Um, so that strategy has to be rethought, and it has to be rethought in the context of how do we change the security architectures? How do we know where all our data is? Is it encrypted? Is it protected? How can we create uh, internal mechanisms and controls so that when someone does get in, because they will get in, that we can control the blast radius and, and minimize the exposure and the damage that's going on? Uh, you know, I'll end with with a final thought that I think change is, is finally here and how we look at this. Uh, because up to this point, spending money on security and re-architecting and, and getting into the core uh, data provisioning that a lot of healthcare companies uh, deal with because of its intensive nature, we're actually seeing the business case start to develop cyber insurance security for the healthcare sector this year. Uh, we're hearing from brokers that the renewals could be upwards of 50% increase in premiums. Okay, not as much as malpractice yet, but edging there to the cost of, of breaches and, and high profile breaches that we, we've seen are starting to, to be commonplace or even dealing with an exposure of, let's say, a malware attack. The third thing, as Ian said, the explosion of telehealth, uh, the connectiveness of everything medical uh, device is leaving more exposure points. And that also is causing people to think about security right on the front end as a core piece of the investment. Uh, I'll hand it back to you, Aaron. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate that perspective. Anything to add to that, Ian, from your perspective? Yeah, and maybe just to expand a, a little bit further on Ken's point about kind of revising the, the cyber architecture and, and thinking about how, how you do more than just getting larger dogs and, and building higher fences. We've seen and we've been advising our clients to think about their architecture, about the people, process, and technology, um, thinking about the connectivity of the processes and the people to help manage the risk from an enterprise perspective and, and mitigate that risk proactively. Uh, we've seen clients kind of ask the question commonly about what framework should I use to establish my architecture? You know, should I use a and this framework, ISACA, FedRAMP, et cetera. And you know, th there isn't necessarily one size fits all, but you know, what we have been advising some of our clients is to find that right balance because you can, you can continue to uh, add costs, implement technologies and, and resources, but that doesn't guarantee prevention. And so uh, we, we tend to recommend the National Institutes of Standard and Technology, NIST, 800-171 uh, as a framework that we believe that strikes a balance between risk mitigation and cost effectiveness. Uh, you know, this framework, I think, outlines a 14 uh, area architecture that you could start to use to proactively assess your organization and put in uh, controls to help mitigate that risk, but at the same time, just you know, balance it with costs and the rigor that some of the more restrictive frameworks uh, may outline. As a finance professional myself, uh, I certainly have heard clients discuss the increasing costs. So, Ian, I think you certainly hit the nail on the head there as a, as becoming a hot topic. At AM, we pride ourselves on the ability to ask the very direct question of our clients and of ourselves. So, Rocco, how effective is the current approach if over 40 million records have been breached in 2019? That sounds like a lot. Staggering numbers, and they continue to grow. And you know, wait till we see what the totals are for 2020. 
going through the roof. And as much as they're startling numbers, I, I think it answers your question in itself. Not very effective, but at the same time, I like to look at the industry as a whole. There are some organizations doing a better job. Granted, in the healthcare industry, it's, that's a pretty broad you know, statement in that you've got small hospitals and multi-billion dollar uh, public organizations. So to put that in the, the same sentence isn't necessarily fair or even accurate for that, that matter. But I think Ken, both Ken and Ian hit some points. And some of the challenges that you see in the mid-size and smaller healthcare organizations, legacy or antiquated systems, limited staff, funding, and in a lot of instances, as Ken mentioned, you know, relying on auditing against controls that they have against the perimeter. Like many other organizations, the healthcare industry needs to not only step up on you know, legacy systems, people process technologies, but just look at what we have. And it's not about, hey, well, if we had this type of funding, we could do a number of other things. One of the other bigger exposures that's continually overlooked is the insider threat. And not necessarily the malicious employee. Yes, there's going to be malicious employees, but at the same time, you know, combining that with what we have going on with the pandemic, with employees being displaced, whether they're completely remote, hybrid environment, you know, get into a situation of virtual doctor visits or telehealth, as you mentioned earlier, this is an incubator for cyber attackers and additional exposures. And while I mentioned legacy equipment or antiquated equipment. Healthcare organizations were to upgrade their their networks. They had the additional funding, audits, things of that nature. The piece that comes into play is employees, whether it's on-site, remote, during the, the pandemic, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. They're the Achilles heel of any organization. And when you take all these things into account, now we've got all these different technologies that we continue to embrace, put in the idea of being remote or hybrid model, it, it, it encourages attackers to go after the low-hanging fruit. And I think one of the pieces that we need to do is a better job, the term cyber resilience, being better prepared, uh, being proactive. We're not going to be able to stop every cyber attack. I think that goes without saying. We see that across every industry. But what healthcare organizations can do better even if they don't have the funding, the idea of planning, especially look at, you know, I, I like to throw that one out. We, we all have, have seen business uh, continuity or disaster recovery plans. And if you raise your hand and say you have not, all right, let's all go back to your, where you work. Um, we have fire drills. I'll go all the way back to, I don't want to go too far back when you were in education. Everybody went through a fire drill. You're never going to know what's coming, but at the same time, the same idea applies for a cyber attack. Look at our most critical assets. Go back to the points that Ian laid out. Did a nice job of critical areas that a, a, a healthcare organization get attacked. Throw the bill one into the mix. Throw business disruption or um, the hospital disruption into, into the mix. And you've got a handful of scenarios that you need to have contingency plan on. In the event an attack happens, What's our plan? It's not the end of the world if we're attacked. What's more important is better monitoring, better detection, better response. And at the same time, having that plan in place, the idea of cyber resilience is being able to not just bounce back, 
but limit the damage or the impact to the healthcare organization. And that's what I think we need to see more of. Wow. As a patient, that certainly gives me pause for concern. Is there anything I can do on my end before I go to my physician or have a visit in a healthcare system to protect my records? I mean, I'm certainly would be, sounds like I should be worried about my records being hacked or breached. Well, in, in terms of being a patient, you know, you look at it on the outside. Every one of us go into, whether it's a doctor's appointment, hospital, HIPAA, there's a one piece of protection, but at the same time, it's a two-way street. As much as we're putting the onus as an individual, as a patient on the healthcare organization or doctor's office, medical physician's office, we need to do our part as well. A lot of this comes down to awareness, whether it's for an employee or a patient. And if you look at the different things that are in play there, I think as, a, as an industry, or I, I should say as society, culture, people have gotten a lot better at securing their own assets. If you know, a day doesn't go by that there isn't another cyber attack that goes into, into the headlines. But at the same time, let's zero in on the healthcare industry. Let's zero in on when I go in and put my information, input it, or we've gotten to a situation where everybody has a smartphone, everybody has uh, access to different app apps on their phones. We need to be sure that we're downloading the right apps. We need to make sure that we're putting our, our information into the right places. Because again, you know, from a HIPAA standpoint, when we give our medical records to a healthcare organization or physician, the idea is we expect them to secure it. But on our side, think of all the different things as an individual you were doing when you turn that information over. On the one hand, yes, you expect the organization or physician that you're turning your information over to add due care and be responsible for your data. On the flip side, the way that you're providing that information, whether it's over a video conference, a mobile device, setting up an appointment on a tablet, Whatever way you're sending this information, you need to ensure that your information is secure as well. So I, I think the message here is education, awareness, but at the same time, don't rely 100% on the facilities, the organization, because again, as much as we're putting that responsibility on the medical organization we're giving it to, we need to do our part as well. Thank you, Rocco. You know, we've been talking about the, inc the shift to remote work and finance and administrative billing functions. The staff have been completely remote. Ken, can you give us some specific examples that health systems can deploy to reduce the increased risk? Yes. Uh, you know, a couple of things to think about uh, when we talk about health systems. And I think these are broader comments for whatever segment of healthcare that you're you're looking at. First of all, you have to have a, a baseline. And and whether that baseline is NIST or that, that baseline is NIST plus plus high trust, which NIST incorporates a lot of the components of, of high trust, you do have to have a baseline understanding of your process, your controls, your exposure, and your your risk. The second thing that you got to do is getting back to the earlier comments, you can't interpret your baseline to be just putting in place the controls, the checks and balances, the perimeter and the guard dogs. The, the next thing you gotta do, is all your data encrypted at rest? Is it encrypted in transport? 
Are you enforcing your standards to critical vendors that are required to meet your expectations from a security perspective? Um, the third thing that, that you need to do is you need to have the fortitude to embed security within your culture. And I think this is the, one of the big ahas, and, and I see it constantly. I've had three clients this year all suffer malware attacks that basically shut their, their entire systems down. Uh, two health systems and one healthcare services provider. And, you know, on the third one, culture was to blame. The security was embedded six levels deep in the organization, in the technology area, and, and wasn't given the full uh, culture and governance that it required uh, for it to be embedded in the organization. So I think the, the third thing that I, I recommend that all healthcare systems do is elevate it to the chief risk officer elevate it to the office of the CIO, elevate it to your board and your, your audit and, and risk and governance uh, mechanism, and, and make sure that that organization is looking at the, the cost of risk, the, the cost of, of business operations and, and continuity, and, and using data that we now have in the industry of what the true cost of this is that creates the business case and make sure that your spend is proportionate to the risk. Thank you, Ken. And as always, appreciate the specificity. It certainly helps people on a practical matter. So thank you for that. In closing, first, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to this informative podcast. We hope you find the ideas presented useful for your healthcare system and for your industry to implement and in increasing your vigilance to cybersecurity needs. Thank you to Rocco, Ken, and Ian for this information and for your insights regarding the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity across the healthcare industry. This concludes session one of this podcast. We hope you'll join us for our second session on this topic. For any additional information, please go to our website, www.alvarezandmarsal.com where you can find additional information. Please stay tuned for future podcasts on other timely and relevant information. Thank you. Alvarez and Marcel. Leadership. Action. Results.